Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I've never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we're getting really close to me not being able to say I've never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. I know. We're so, we have four episodes left. Four episodes between you and the end of this I know, entire it's, series. It's kind of crazy. I mean, this, this is the, the end. Uh, on Netflix, this is the last episode, and it's broken into four parts. Mm. Um, so we are, we are really starting the finale today. Um, So we should say we have made it to Book 3 Fire, Chapter 18, Sozin's Comet, Part 1, The Phoenix King. Mm. A a hefty title. Yes, yes. We have um, a lot of Mark Hamill in Mm -hmm. this episode, which was exciting. Like, give me more Mark Hamill. You're right, yeah. Because we're going to get some flashback, and then we're going to see some real-time Sozin, which we don't get a lot of real-time Sozin, so. No, no. Um, and or not Sozin, excuse me, Ozai. Ozai, yes, yes. yes. I'm going to make that mistake a lot now because I because <laughs> in my head I get the two confused because I just sort of like lump the Fire Lords together. Yes, and then there's a Zulon. Like it's all so confusing. Yeah. But uh, we so we get a lot more Mark Hamill. We get um, <clears throat> mysterious happenings that maybe uh, it seems like maybe a spirit world journey we're entering. It would make sense. It would make sense um, because this is the, the real pivot to home. We've been talking about them pivoting towards end game, towards end game. We're in the end game now mm. um, in this last episode. So one of the things that I was interested in is how quickly are they going to tie up? Because we, we constantly at the end of episodes talk about loose ends. It's like, okay, what do we what do we still need to address? So I was curious how quickly we were going to get into those things or like how each episode was going to function as, as part of this finale. And it's kind of interesting because this one, I feel like it's almost like this interesting reset. Because one of the, as I think about this episode as a whole, one of the themes that I see is uh, we're kind of getting mission statements from different characters and four different characters as we approach the end of this. Um, mm-hmm. But what's interesting is this doesn't address most of the loose ends that we have. Uh, the things that we've been saying at the end of episodes, it's like, well, the finale is going to address this or going to address this. Not a lot of that happens here. Although this is a deeply interesting episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it feels like, like it's a, just a setup episode for the rest of it, but also not because Sometimes in Avatar, when we feel like an episode, oh, like a first parter, it can feel kind of slow or not as momentous. But this one still felt very important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that's interesting about it, though, is that they have, and I assume this will be true going forward, they have basically stopped with, like, we're going to resolve something within an episode. Like, this one just mm-hmm. just sort of cliffhangery but not um but there is not a clean resolution to a story arc this really is part of a i guess it's a movie that ends the uh ends the show if we think about these four parts together which leads to the question that i had and and maybe you don't know this but do you know how this aired did this air as one one long movie uh to wrap it up or was this broken into four episodes 
Uh, so it did air as one movie. So according to Avatar Wiki, which I'm on right now, it says the event was part of an event called, or this episode was a part of an event called Countdown to the Comet, which I think we talked about in mm-hmm. previous episodes. Uh, they began airing on July 14th, um, starting with the Western Air Temple, going through the end to uh, the last part of Sozin's Comet. But this one came out as a mini, kind of like a movie, a two-hour mm-hmm. event. Um and it pulled an average of 5.6 million total viewers and achieved the highest Avatar rating ever with kids 6 to 11 and teens. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, so this this uh, two-hour movie, Sozin's Comet, is just what they called it, um, highest rating for, for the youths. Well, what's, what's interesting about this is I kind of wonder how this episode would play because i clearly like i I haven't watched this straight through i don't know how this ends um i'm i'm interested when we get to the end of this to watch it all straight through and see how does it feel if you don't break it into episodes um i think when we get to the actual finale like the last part of this i'm going to try to watch it from beginning to end the whole uh hour and a half just to kind of get a feel for how does the whole thing play because it it she it seems constructed as a movie and we're just getting like act one of this movie. That's kind of the feeling that I get. Yes, for sure. Even as you and I talked about how we're going to do these last episodes, we were like, should we do it all as one? Should we do maybe um, one episode every or one one of our episodes for every two of theirs? Like it's a hard thing to break up. Mm-hmm. I think it does make the most sense to do it chapter by chapter or uh part by part but um yeah it'll it'll be so fun to watch it finally as one entire experience absolutely uh should we jump into the summary yes let's do it. all right let's so the first thing i need to say uh i said we're going to start the summary and then i need to say before we get to the summary this has the longest previously on this is Mm. a full two minutes of previously on (laughs) because this is this is setting up the entire because there isn't a previously on for the next three episodes i I don't think i think this just is for the whole movie so it is very long they're hitting stuff from throughout the show they're hinting at all the stuff you're most of the stuff you're curious about or excited about so it was very fun to watch the previously on oh yeah and it's funny too since like the last episode was basically just an entire previously on (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh, a little different because it's like the ember island players acting it out but yeah yeah yeah. they needed to have like here's the big moments leading up to this end yeah because even even if you just look at ember island players it doesn't really that doesn't remind you of some important uh, plot points that we need to we need to tie together. So anyhow, the uh, the episode starts. It opens up on Ember Island, so they've been there a while now, um, and we see Zuko is training Aang, and he's trying to get him to be more ferocious in his firebending. Mm-hmm. So he says, "Imagine striking through your opponent's heart as you know they're like doing these kind of fire punches," which kind of reminds me. We started to rewatch Cobra Kai, and it kind of reminds me. Uh, um, listening to Johnny Lawrence <laughs> teach Miguel how to do the like Cobra punch where, where he basically is teaching him to like, not just hit, hit the front of the opponent's uh, head, but like to punch through it to the back of the head. That's, I mean, so I like the little like Cobra Kai element of Zuko here. <laughs> I didn't notice that. 
So um, he so then uh, Zuko gets Aang to he says he needs to roar like a tiger dillo. Um, so we yep. haven't had hybrid animals in a while, so I like that they're bringing it back for this. Also, tiger dillo sounds like something I'm really curious about, but also don't really want to see. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad we just hear about it. We just know that it roars part armadillo, part tiger. <laughs> I don't really know how that mixes. But the the important thing here is that we see that Aang has become a good firebender. Because mm. uh, since the 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 episode where they um, go and and do the the dance of the dragons, um, ever since then, like we knew that Aang kind of leveled up, but we haven't really seen him do a lot of firebending. Um, mm. But here we see that he seems really good at this. Like he needs the training, but he has real power as a firebender. Yeah, I guess we could assume that when Zuko's off, like saving. Katara and Sokka's worlds. Aang mm-hmm. is probably back just doing a lot of practicing, like actually following through with Zuko's kind of last minute, okay, Aang, here's your assignment, you know, and, and like Aang is actually doing it. That's a good point, too. I, uh, I That didn't occur to me. We haven't really had an, an Aang episode in a while. Mm-hmm. We've kind of put him on the back shelf for, for a number of episodes. Um, you know, as we did Boiling Rock, he's barely in that. Um, he's barely in, um, the, well, he's in the Ember Island players, uh, but, but, but not, not to a great, uh, to a great degree. Southern Raiders, he's in, there's the action s- sequence at the beginning, but he's kind of, um, he's there philosophically, but we're not seeing like action Ang at all. And we're going to get a little mm. bit more of that here. Um, so while they're training, Katara interrupts, uh, to offer them watermelon juice. Uh, and Aang runs for the snack. And here we see Aang, and he just seems like a little kid again. Um, mm-hmm. And Zuko's really angry because he seems because Aang seems more interested in having a snack than training. And he says, mm-hmm. fine, if you want to lounge around like a bunch of snail sloths, uh, yet again, another hybrid animal, if you want to <laughs> sit around like a bunch of snail sloths all day, go ahead. Um, and Sokka says that Zuko has a point. He says they've been pretty lazy. And then he shouts out his solution to this laziness is to have a beach party. So we see him instantly strip down to his swimming suit um, and they run out to, you know, into the water. So we see Sokka swimming. Katara is like waterbend surfing. Mm. Um, Suki is sunbathing. And uh, we start to see Sokka kind of run back and forth in front of Suki with buckets and seaweed. So he's clearly like building a sandcastle or something. Um, and then we see that Aang has made a very realistic looking Appa sand sculpture, um, which is pretty impressive. And Appa sort of walks up to it and, and roars <laughs> at it. Um, and then Toph instantly one ups him and announced that she's announces that she's been working on her sand bending, which is interesting because in the desert, I mean, she talked about how miserable she was and now she mm-hmm. is herself a sandbender. So, so we see everybody's been kind of training during this time, even if we're not, we're not seeing it. Um, and she bends a perfect mini replica of bossing, say, including a sculpture of the earth King and Bosco in this like sand sculpture that she, that she bends. Yeah. And she seems like the perfectionist type where, like, even though no one else can see that she has all the, like, underground tunnels of Bossing Say, I'm sure they're under there. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. And and I would say she's not the perfectionist type as much as she's the competitive type. Where ah. she's like, I want to, I want to so thoroughly one-up you that I'm not, I'm going to cover up stuff that I did that's 
part of this perfection. That's true. Maybe um, Katara is more the perfectionist, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I think so. So Aang points out the Earth King and Bosco, and it's just good to see Bosco, a hat tip to Bosco at this point. Yes, miss that guy. So we see uh, Sokka is frantically creating his sculpture, uh, and what we have is a pretty huge, monstrous sand blob of a sculpture with a face on it um, that looks like something that a little kid would make. You know? Yeah, it's like... Yes, we've seen his artwork before. Like, we know that Sokka's really smart, scientifically minded. The artistic side of his brain is, like, not... Um, it's nothing to write home about. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of when he was drawing Appa for the, like, lost Appa posters in Bossing Yes, yes. Didn't he draw Aang at some point, too? I feel like he's had many different drawings that he's yes. made, and they're all quite terrible. So, uh... Aang asks what it is, and Sokka announces that it's Suki. And Toph says, Suki will all understand if you break break up with him over this. But Suki says she thinks it's sweet, because Suki's the best. Yes, I know. Also, it was really funny. I, like, actually laughed out loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do love that they, like, just make them a perfect match for each other. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I like that there doesn't need to be any tension or anything. Uh and they, especially, like, there's enough drama happening around anyway. Um, yeah, and especially and, there's enough, like, shipping drama around that it's nice that it's like, well, this couple it just works. Yep, yep. So as they're sitting there on the beach, out of nowhere, fire starts to rain down on them, uh, blowing up, among other things, Sokka's sculpture. Uh, and then we see Zuko fly in, firing at Aang, and Aang runs and Zuko chases him. And Aang is trying to, like, figure out what Zuko's up to. He says, what are you doing? And Zuko says, teaching you a lesson. And we see Aang continue to run, evading and avoiding. It's like he refuses to face uh, to face Zuko. Uh, and um, <clears throat> Katara comes up to the shore and asks what's happening. And Sokka says, Zuko's gotten crazy. I made a sand sculpture of Suki and he destroyed it. And he says, oh, yeah, and he's attacking Aang. <laughs> um, what I love about this episode is there is a lot of, like, good old-school Sokka humor. It's like it's almost like as they wrote the finale, they went back and rewatched the show and said, you know what was fun early on was, like, like the comedy of Sokka. And they just... And there, there's, there's a number of moments in this episode where they, they lean into that, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, it reminds me of Ember Island players when Sokka goes in the back and like talks to the actor Sokka and is like, here's some things that I like to do. You should try adding this. And it's almost like he's saying it to the writers themselves to be like, hey, remember I used to be like just fun? Yeah. <laughs> like maybe maybe bring that back a little bit. And I think that's helpful because you can tell where this is headed, that it's going to be heavy. So like we're going to need Sokka to be the the like little riff machine that that he is to add some yucks to the uh, yucks to the episode. <laughs> so, so Zuko keeps chasing Aang and at this point he's basically setting the island on fire. It kind of reminds me of Kiyoshi when they're raining fire down on that. Um, then finally they confront each other on the roof of the house and Aang threatens to blow Zuko off the roof and Zuko tells him to do it. I mean, this is what Zuko's trying to do is to get Aang to sort of take seriously you know, the the confrontation. And the subtext to this is that you're gonna have to face the Fire Lord. So we need to we need to stop pretending that that's not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Um 
So so Aang, Aang sort of threatens and Zuko tells him to do it. And then we instead, Aang sort of runs and slips down into the house. And we see Zuko blast down uh, into the room through the roof. And Zuko chases him through the house, now setting the house on fire until the whole sort of all the walls around Aang are inflamed. Mm. And it's at this point that Aang finally turns, plants his feet, faces Zuko, and we see like fire in Aang's eyes. And he just says, enough. It's like not Avatar State Aang, but it's like the step before that. Yes. You know, that he's like, he's like had enough. He's really serious at this point. Um, and we see him like send a whirlwind of air at Zuko that blows him out the side of the house. Um, and I presume this is what Zuko was looking for. <laughs> right. Yeah. He wants, yes, he, he wants everyone else to have the same sense of urgency that he has. And also that the audience has, like you and I have been talking about the last half of this series is really good. Right. And like they needed to do these mini Zuko excursions. Like they needed to tie up some of these loose ends with, um, Katara's mom with uh, like finding Suki, finding Sokka and Katara's dad, all these little things. But at the same time, in the back of our minds, it's like we know that Sozin's comet is coming. We know that there's going to be a final battle. But like it doesn't seem like the gang knows that. Or it doesn't seem like they are uh, worried about it. Yeah, as much and, as they were the first time. Yeah, I mean, one way to think about it is it seems like ever since we got to the Western Air Temple that Zuko's become the main character of the show and Aang is a secondary character. <laughs> yeah. And this is Zuko as, they, as they're kicking off the final saying, remember, Aang, you're the Avatar. Like, <laughs> like this is your story. And we need, to, we need to, you need to be at the reins of this story. Yeah. And I think, uh, to me, that is the theme of this part of the finale is Zuko handing the story back to Aang. Mm. So we see everyone, Aang, Katara, Toph, Sokka, Suki, all rush to Zuko. And Katara's like, what's wrong with you? You could have hurt Aang. And Zuko is upset and says, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with all of you? How can you sit around having beach parties when Sozin's Comet is only three days away? And I love this because here we get the specific time context. <laughs> so this becomes the ticking clock for the finale. Uh, mm. I, I instantly wanted to start paying attention to day and night because this episode goes into a night and into a next day. So uh, the clock is ticking at this point. Sozin's Comet is three days away. And when he says this, they all just stare at him. And he says, why are you all looking at me like I'm crazy? And Ang says, about Sozin's Comet. I was actually going to wait to fight the Fire Lord until after it came. I'm not ready. I need more time to master firebending. And Toph says, and frankly, your earthbending could use some work too. Now, this is interesting because we've had these episodes with these excursions. And even the Ember Island Players is an excursion episode, right? Mm -hmm. And we haven't heard them discuss plans. Mm -hmm. But clearly... At least in Aang's mind, he's been thinking about this, and you know everybody else seems to be on board with this. So there has been planning going on, there has been discussion going on, but we haven't been part of that because we keep going on the excursions. Yes, and Zuko keeps going, so Zuko hasn't been around for like the downtime. 
maybe uh, the cave crew knows about this plan and Zuko doesn't know about this plan, right? The cave crew doesn't know anything. <laughs> They're like, wait, what, a comet? What? Yes. <laughs> Don't think I haven't been waiting for the cave crew. It's been a while now that the, the cave crew has been gone. Um, so Zuko looks shocked and says, so you all knew that Aang was going to wait? And Sokka says, honestly, if Aang tries to fight the Fire Lord right now, he's going to lose. Katara says, the whole point of fighting the Fire Lord before the comet was to stop the Fire Nation from winning the war. But they pretty much won the war when they took Ba Sing Se. Things can't get any worse. Which is a like, famous last lines to say things can't get any worse. I mean, that was... It, <laughs> They're just teeing up kind of what's what's going to happen here. But it is it is interesting because we see that they have kind of resigned themselves in a smart way to be like, well, we don't really want to face him while Sosin's Comet is there because that's like the opposite of the Eclipse. That's when he's going to be at his most powerful. And, you know, what 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 bad can happen in that in, in the meantime, right? Like mm. why not wait till after that? And this is where we get Zuko giving a line, which feels like it should just be the trailer line for, uh, for this, the finale. He says, you're wrong. It's about to get worse than you can even imagine. Just very ominously kind of laying, laying out, you know, what is so, what is kind of the meaning of Sozin's Comet? Because we don't really know. We just know that when Sozin's Comet came the first time, that was the beginning of Sozin waging war on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't really know anything about the Fire Nation's plan for Sozin's Comet this time. Yeah. Yeah. And also, this line is important too because it gives us some context for the end of the Southern Raiders, this whole episode about is Katara going to forgive or is she going to seek vengeance? And then uh, Zuko ends with that last line where he's like, what are you going to do, Aang, when you face my father? Because that's a real, that's your choice, right? Your choice is destroy or sustain life. And like, he brings that up because he, he feels the urgency because he has some understanding, some knowledge, some, background context that the gang doesn't have either like i don't know how none of them have talked about any of this yet that is the one crazy piece of this episode is it's like this seems like like this looming thing that they're not talking about um so let's get into let's get into the flashback because here we cut to an awesome interesting flashback zuko tells the story of what he knows about Sozin's Comet. And what I love about this flashback is it's this is not a flashback to the distant past, to childhood. This is a flashback to stuff that 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 happened around episodes that we saw. So if we remember when uh when Zuko goes to the the war meeting where he thought he wasn't invited and then the guards come and say, Oh no, actually your father's waiting for you and they want him, he wants you there. And we see him go into that meeting and we know that he comes out conflicted and changed from it but we don't know what happens now we get the flashback now we're getting the puzzle piece to find out what happened yes and he was conflicted enough that he was willing to attack his father during um during the eclipse right so exactly this is huge yes so we cut to a flashback narrated by zuko and in the flashback, we see Zuko on his way to this war planning meeting. Remember, this was the planning meeting where they were discussing what to do about the eclipse because they already knew 
the plan. They knew that the that they were planning to attack on the day of the eclipse. Um, <clears throat> so Zuko says, the day before the eclipse, my father asked me to attend an important meeting. It was what I've dreamed of. It was what I dreamed about and wanted for so many years. My father had finally accepted me back. So we see Zuko enter the war room. Uh, and Oze, Ozai is on his high throne with his general sitting at a huge tabletop map. Pretty cool room, right? Like, I, I think actually, like, we've seen this before, like the fire and stuff behind him. But this sort of big, you know, table map of the world. And a lot of what we've seen in the Fire Nation, uh, this is an aside, but a lot of what we've seen in the Fire Nation in the last, like, five episodes when they're actually in it is, like, ruins or small towns so it's kind of fun again even though it's a terrible place it's fun again to be like in the middle of of like high power like just where all the wealth is pushed where like yeah uh all no expenses um yeah spared yeah spared yeah yes um so ozai says welcome prince zuko we waited for you and zuko takes his seat at the at his right hand with the zula at his left and Ozai asks his general, uh, Shinshu, for a report. And Shinshu says, Ba Sing Se is still under our control. However, Earthbender rebellions have prevented us from achieving total victory in the Earth Kingdom. Our army is spread too thin. But once the eclipse is over and the invasion is defeated, we should transfer more domestic forces into the Earth Kingdom. So he's 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 actually told us quite a bit there. Like we didn't know. I don't think we knew that there were sort of active Earth Kingdom uprisings, you know, against uh, against the fire the Fire Nation. We knew Bossing Se had fallen, and that seemed to be the last piece. Uh, but it seems like the the conquering of the fire of the Earth Kingdom is not over at this point. Mm. It also would be fun to just. Man, I, I know we've talked about having a documentary, like an Avatar do- documentary, like, a Ken Burns like with, Civil War, yeah. right? Like within the world, like the Avatar version of Ken Burns, like making this documentary within the world, and it would be really fun to be like, oh, these insurrections, like when did they start? Did they start after Aang, like after the Hope came back, you know, and Aang like had gone through the Earth Kingdom? Is it are these insurrections? people who had met Aang before or is it like not related i really want to know a lot well we saw a little of this in the return to amashu right there was there was an, the underground you know kind of like the the french resistance you know group in in amashu um so we know that i presume other cities had versions of that you know haru and his father were people like that you know as well that that there's and i think you're right i think it is that that ang and and katara leave this sort of uh, in their wake this hope and inspiration um mm-hmm. so i yeah i think i would love to uh to dive into that more i think that's pretty interesting so so um uh shinu makes this report on the uh what's happening in the earth kingdom and ozai asks zuko he says you've been among the earth kingdom commoners do you think that adding more troops will stop these rebellions uh and zuko gives some pretty helpful intel here he says, uh, the people of the Earth Kingdom are proud and strong. They can endure everything as long as they have hope. Um, so it's like you can tell that uh, uh, Zuko hasn't just been living through these first two seasons, but he's been paying attention to what's been happening to this sort of mm. burgeoning hope. 
Uh, and Ozai says, yes, you're right. We need to destroy their hope. And Zuko's like, well, that's not exactly what, what he was saying. And Azula jumps in and says, I think you should take their precious hope and the rest of their land and burn it all to the ground. Mm. So we see this uh, divide between Zuko and uh, Zuko and Azula here, right? Like, like Zuko's in saying what he's saying, right? He's trying to, he, he's thinking pretty humanistically, right? He's thinking about, uh, he's, he's praising the earth nation people and saying like, this is not going to be easy. This is going to be difficult. And we see Azula's uh, argument is basically just destroy it, burn it all to the ground. Now, yeah. did anything come to mind historical analogs for this? Cause I certainly had some. Okay. Well, go for it. Go for it. I mean, it, it made me think about, the war in the Pacific in World War II, which ends with with Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and it makes me think of people like uh, General Douglas MacArthur when we're looking at the Korean War and even things in the Vietnam War, where there yes. is this sense of like these are unwinnable wars. I think, I mean, you're 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 the person who studies uh, Asian history uh, more, but I, I think like MacArthur was literally suggesting just like bombing out korea and paving the peninsula like 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 that's at least the language that they use to talk about it and that's what azula sounds like it's like what if we just instead of fighting them and trying to conquer them what if we just use our power to obliterate them right right no it it did remind me of uh, specifically the vietnam war i just read uh the memoir on earth were briefly gorgeous have you read it sam Mm -mm, i have not uh, it's it's really good, and it's written by um, uh, his name is Ocean. He moved to the U.S. Um, was born in Vietnam, moved there, didn't know a lick of English, and then wrote this beautiful, like poetic uh, memoir. And he quotes uh, some of the generals, the U.S. generals fighting in Vietnam about like let's let's get them all let's destroy it let's like uh, essentially let's burn it all to the ground and like it and then to see his story as a child there it when i was watching this episode it reminded me of like for us the word hope and earth kingdom also conjures up a child like Mm -hmm. we think about the baby hope and like i mean i don't know that We know that Zuko and Hope were, like, in the same train car or whatever, right? We don't know if he knew her name, but we know that for him, Hope comes up with real people's faces Mm -hmm. and, like, real families, children, kind of all generations, right? All walks of life, where for, like, Azula and these higher-ups, it doesn't mean anything. Like, Hope is just a concept. Right. When, When he's talking about the Earth Kingdom people... He's talking about Song. He's talking mm-hmm. about Lee. You know, he's talking about these people that he's encountered who are going through the, like, like trauma, going through ad- adversity like people in this war room can't imagine. Mm-hmm. And, in, and that's what he's saying. Like, I don't, you don't understand these people. Um, I mean, he is, he's speaking with a kind of empathy that they're incapable of even understanding. And that's why it's so interesting and kind of great that Ozai hears him say this empathetic thing about the earth nation people. And he's like, Oh, that's a weakness we need to, or that's something we just need to destroy instead of like, Hmm, we should think about this as a proud people in a culture and, you know, and, and, and sort of how do we think about that? 
So Ozai Ozai listens to what Azula says, and he said, and he says, "Yes, you're right, Azula. Sozin's comet is almost upon us, and on that day, it will endow us with the strength and power of a hundred suns. Not too hard to think about, like footage of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? Like when you yeah. think about like the explosion of a nuclear weapon, like it is." It is like a sun on the earth, right? Like, mm-hmm. like that's, that's what you think of, right? So the power of a hundred suns. No bender will stand a chance against us. When the comet uh, last came, my grandfather, Fire Lord Sozin, used it to wipe out the air nomads. So he's referring to a genocide. Now I will use its power to end the earth kingdom permanently. And we see Ozai get up and walk onto the table, of uh, the map table, And he says, from our airships, we will rain down fire over their lands, a fire that will destroy everything. And out of the ashes, a new world will be born, a world in which all lands are fire nation. And I am the supreme ruler of everything. So here's where I was thinking of Vietnam and and footage of like U.S. jets dropping napalm, uh, you know, uh, over jungles and things like this to burn out the Viet Cong. And I mean, it's it's, it's, it's like a literal image of airships just raining fire down um oh yeah uh there's i mean there's so many quotes from army generals um i I tried to find the one that was the line that was used in the memoir um about because his mother had been a child kind of towards the end of the vietnam war um and so it's also about like generations of women in his family and like these lasting effects of war psychologically emotionally physically um even when they're able to uproot and go to another country and escape like the painful memories of day to day it's still there uh but things like uh we it became necessary to destroy the town to save it that kind of mentality of like Mm -hmm. what are you what are you actually trying to save though and and it yeah it's deeply concerning Right, right, and 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 when you think about those images, um, those are those are arguments about a kind of total war, which makes no distinction between combatant and non-combatant. I mean, he really yeah. is saying like, at, if these people have hope, and that's going to make them hard to defeat or hard to win over, then we should just destroy them. You know, so so raining fire down is not saying we're going to surgically hit military targets. It's we're going to, again, I go back to MacArthur, like we're just going to burn it all to the ground and pave over it and like say yeah. this was this was nothing. Now it is something now it is something we'll build upon mm-hmm. um, like that's there. there it's, it's super dark. Again, this is a, a children's show. Um, mm-hmm. But it, but what I think is powerful about this is we see this as this like the most evil thing that he can say and you and I, without even trying, it's easy to point to all kinds of recent historical analogs. And there's plenty more where it's mm-hmm. like, this is the language that, that America was using in the 20th century. Yeah. Oh, this is the language of empire too. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely throughout. I mean, even as we get further in this episode, there's like parts of it that made me think about like, um, man, even things that we teach in Western Civ, like, the Holy Roman empire and, and just uh, the Roman empire. Like there's mm-hmm. so many parts of this that feel like how an empire is either born or grows to be like this dominant world power. 
Right. I mean, I think of Tacitus's line about the Pax Romana that uh, Rome builds a desert and calls it peace. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it destroys everything and says, now we have established peace. That's that's very much what we're seeing in uh, in Ozai here as well. So Ozai makes this speech and the generals applaud. And then we hear Zuko as the narrator say, I wanted to speak out against his horrifying plan, but I'm ashamed to say that I didn't. So then we cut back to present day and he says, my whole life, I struggled to gain my father's love and acceptance. But once I had it, I realized I'd lost myself getting there. I'd forgotten who I was. Now, what's so interesting is over the course of this show, we've seen flashbacks to two meetings that Zuko has, maybe the only two times he's ever been in this war room, right? And as a young man, he speaks out against something which is um, treating human life as cheap. You know, in that case, it's fire nation soldiers as you know that their life is dispensable he speaks out and this is the source of his shame and now he's back in that place again and he doesn't speak out and not speaking out is the source of his shame um you know that 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 he sort of carries with him it reminds me of um i mean who remember his mother kept telling him who he is Mm -hmm. and again another one of those flashbacks uh at the pond with the turtle ducks and we see uh, like a mother and her turtle ducks, ducklings, I guess. And um, the two responses of Zuko and Zuko's like, even as an older person uh, this season, we see him like feeding the turtle ducks, like being almost like protecting or um, preserving. And then Azula just as a child, like wants to torture. <laughs> right. It reminds me. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, to go back to what Ozai was saying, I also want to point out, I had said this is a, a, an episode about mission statements. Mm. Um, and we get Ozai's mission statement. Like, we, we, we haven't really had this before. It's like, so what does he really want? And when he says a new world will be born in which all lands are fire nation and I am the supreme ruler of everything, it's like, okay, now we know. Like, like you know, like, like you, we could assume certain things, this or that, but like, like he he is over the top, but he really means it, and and this is this is his mission. Because I, I say that because we're going to get um, an Ang, we're going to get some Ang mission statement coming up here in a little bit mm-hmm. as we're sort of thinking about this. Um. So uh, so we cut away from this flashback, and Katara is just distraught hearing this story from from Zuko mm-hmm. and Sokka says. I always knew the Fire Lord was a bad guy, but this is just pure evil. And Aang is shaken by this and is just like, he doesn't know what to do. And Zuko says, I know you're scared and I know you're not ready to save the world, but if you don't defeat the Fire Lord before the comet comes, there won't be a world to save anymore. And here's where we get an Aang mission statement or, or, or an Aang job description um, from, from Zuko. Like we have a, we have a ticking clock we have Ozai's mission statement, and we have at least um, Zuko's challenge to to Aang. And Zuko, and he does in this episode a number of times, sounded a little bit like Iroh in terms of like, I am going to help you under. I mean, it's interesting. Like, like he is he is seeing himself as a a teacher to Aang here, right? He is he is Aang's firebending master, and he's like, okay, I'm going to. Um, I'm going to explain what you need to do. Yeah. Or at least explain your choices. Right. And it's, we know what, 
Zuko thinks should happen, but, but at the same time, Zuko does deliver it as like, there are choices. Like there, I mean, you can still be, I, I, there's the question of like, can Aang still be Aang and fulfill this new mission statement that Zuko gives him, right? Mm-hmm. That is the question. That, and that's a question that this episode is going to wrestle with. So they cut to a commercial break. And when they come back, we're in that, still in that same scene. And Aang says, why didn't you tell me about your dad's crazy plan sooner? Good question. I mean. It's a great question. And Zuko <laughs> says, I didn't think I had to. I assumed you were still going to fight before the comet. No one told me you decided to wait. Which I kind of understand. But, like, why is anybody holding back information at this point? Like, that seems like crucial crucial information which makes me wonder about zuko just a little bit like like yeah why are you not are you not fully on board here like this is this is really important stuff that he's that he's holding back yeah it's almost like what why wasn't this the first conversation you all had when you joined forces it's like okay let's sit down and compare notes right Mm -hmm. but at the same time when he joined them katara was very cold there, he was kind of on the outside, like even more than the cave crew. Like he just, he would like be out eating with Appa. And so like, maybe there is this idea of like, at first he, he didn't earn the, the place of trust yet to have those conversations. Um, and then he went on a bunch of adventures. So Well, yeah. And I think the point you made about the fact that Zuko has been gone a lot, that like, yeah, and, and, and he's got a lot of internal uh, turmoil, and he's maybe just not in a place to articulate those things. Although I do think that, in this case, uh, it, it would have helped. Um, so Aang is distraught, and Katara says, Aang, you don't have to do this alone. Toph says, yeah, we'll all fight the Fire Lord together. We got If we all fight the Fire Lord together, we got a shot of taking him down. Um, so this is our big endgame setup, right? Now, it's like this is where... We've been waiting kind of for like the Avengers to all come together. And now they're sort of realizing, I mean, they knew this was a common goal, but this is a, this is a pivot because the language has always been Aang facing the Fire Lord. And now they're sort of like, this is us. This is all of us. Uh, so Sokka says, all right, Team Avatar is back. Air, water, earth, fire. Fan and sword, and, <laughs> and he holds up a. On each one of those, it cuts to the different person, and then on fan and sword, he get, he hands Zuki like a palm, like a palm uh, leaf prong, uh, thing, prong or yeah. something. Yeah, that has like like it looks like a fan, and he holds up just one like a sword, um, which is funny because it's also the joke of it's kind of the you know it's like the Star Wars joke about like you have the people with the Force, and then you have the other folks, and it's like well. What? Why are they there? Um, <laughs> but you know, I think I think they have important roles to play here. Um, so I, I, I'm all for fan and sword on this. Mm. Um, and Ang says fighting the Fire Lord is going to be the hardest thing we've ever done together. But I wouldn't want to do it any other way. And they all have this big group hug, except for Zuko. And Katara notices this and calls Zuko over and says, "Get over here. Being part of the group also means being part of group hugs." And just as he joins the circle, Appa and Momo fly down and sort of knock over the whole group because they are also part of that group hug. Sweet moment, but I also feel like, is this just torture to Zuko? Like, he doesn't seem like the hugging type. You know what, though? I think some of those people who aren't the hugging type are people who need to be part of hugs sometimes. And I'm (laughs) speaking as somebody who's not. Yeah, I'm speaking as somebody who is not the hugging type. (laughs) Um, 
so from there we cut to Aang and Zuko training in the courtyard and we see Katara and Momo are watching in the background uh, and Zuko announces that he's going to teach Aang how to redirect lightning and at this you can see Aang look really excited at this prospect like he's going to learn this new powerful thing um, so Zuko explains the technique and sounds a bit like Iroh here. Like it's like here he is playing the part of Iroh. He says, mm-hmm. "If you let the energy, if you <clears throat> excuse me, uh, if you let the energy in your own body flow, the lightning will follow it. You turn your opponent's energy against them." And Aang says, "That's a lot like water bending." And Zuko says, "Exactly. My uncle invented this technique himself." by studying waterbenders. Uh, and Aang asks, have you ever redirected lightning before? Zuko says, once against my father. And he describes the feeling as exhilarating but terrifying. And we see this flashback to Zuko facing his father and redirecting the lightning from Ozai. So he said, cool. Yeah, it is. He says, you feel so powerful holding that much energy in your body, but you know if you make the wrong move, it's over. And Aang kind of starts to sound nervous and he says uh well not over over i mean there's always the uh katara and a little spirit water action right and so he's trying to like point to the fact that like well we've got we've got this this magic thing that can heal because that's the problem with healing powers in a story like this is like well does that remove any risk because we've already seen ang literally risen from the dead through katara's healing power uh, but Katara says, actually, I used it all up after Azula shot you. Like another thing that maybe they should have talked about before. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, yeah, it's I. I mean, I assumed that that it was off the table. I feel like this is more them like anybody who's watching to be like, in case you thought they mm-hmm. had that card to play, they don't. Yes. Yes. To be clear. Right. Well, like, and here, we don't have it. <laughs> here's why is I am wondering, in any good story like this, and Avatar's willing to do things, I'm starting to wonder, are we going to see a character sacrifice themselves somehow in this story? And we need to know that if they do, there isn't a magic fix to that. Um, If this were a more adult story, it would probably obviously happen. I'm wondering how far they're going to go with this. Is there going to be an act of like self-sacrifice to push to some crucial moment? You know, the, the two most prominent candidates for that um, are Iroh and Zuko, I think. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that. And I like that this is both putting stakes back in Aang in that, that healing power is not there and putting stakes back in death. Like, Death is real. We, we've we've resurrected our main character once, but uh, that's probably not going to happen again. Right, right. Uh, Zuko says, uh, you'll have to take the Fire Lord's life before he takes... Uh, excuse me. Yeah, you'll have to take the, the Fire Lord's life before he takes y- yours. And Aang just kind of like half-heartedly laughs and says, yeah, I guess I'll just have to do that, right? So, so there is this sense that there... Zuko keeps pushing that idea that this is like one one of the two of you is going to be defeated at this point. Mm-hmm. So here we cut to the gang training up on their attack on Ozai. So we get this like um, training set piece here where we get to see Sokka um, out of his like silly mode and into Sokka as like 
uh, kind of general Sokka. You know, mm-hmm. this is he, he's laying out the attack plan. So uh, we see Sokka make a scarecrow of the Fire Lord with a watermelon as a head. And Sokka <laughs> says, in order to take out the Fire Lord, or in this case, the Melon Lord, our timing has to be perfect. First, Suki and I will draw his fire, which is interesting because he and Suki are, and we just talked about sacrifice, right? That they're basically saying, we're here to just absorb attention and fire. And that, that's a pretty risky thing. So they may not be benders, but there's a, there is a deep bravery to what they're proposing to do. Absolutely. Oh, if one of them died, both of them would have to, right? It'd yeah. be so sad if just one died. Well, because think about it this way. If Suki died, Sokka would then have lost two loves <laughs> over the course of this, right? And oh. if Sokka died, that would be super weird. I mean, he yeah. feels like he's got some plot armor. I can't imagine, like, and he's also such a goof. I can't imagine, like, a Sokka dying scene. Mm. Oh, I remember, okay, so Harry Potter towards the end got, uh, man, is this a spoiler of, like, a I think you're decade. okay. Okay. <laughs> but at the end, like, I mean, I one could say J.K. Rowling was kind of just killing people just left mm-hmm. and right. But, like, kills one of the Weasley twins. twins, And it's like, those guys were just, like, making jokes. Like, yeah. why didn't you kill them? And it did feel weird. And But they didn't have as much plot armor as Sokka. But, yeah, yeah. I agree. It, well, it and, and, and I think bizarre. that creates a kind of stakes. I just don't think the core three... I can't, I can't imagine that, and I can't imagine Suki. So, yes. I hope for my sake they have plot armor, right? And also, I trust the writers of this series more than I trust J.K. Rowling. Yes. So, <laughs> and I will, I will say, like, because the plan is saying we're going to draw fire, which puts them automatically in a self-sacrificial role. Those are the people who aren't going to be sacrificed that I feel like it will be somebody else and it will be a deeper moment of decision as to sort of, you know, what, what do I do? Can I, can I save the world by giving my life, you know, Mm. kind of that type of thing. Um, And again, there's a lot of uh, Zuko destiny stuff embedded in that. Um, although that would be weird too. I mean, Iroh is the more obvious one because the older person sacrificing themselves is a little easier to swallow. But uh, I'm curious to see where, if they go down that road, kind of what they do. Mm. So anyhow, uh, Suki and Sokka are supposed to draw fire. Then Katara and Zuko charge in with some liquidy hot offense, <laughs> to quote from Sokka. <laughs> and he says, and while the Melon Lord is distracted, Ang swoops in and bam, he delivers the final blow. And Toph asks about her role, and Sokka says, for now, you're the Melon Lord's forces. And Toph is excited about the fact that she gets to chuck flaming rocks at all of them while they're training. So um, it's interesting, though, because I kind of wonder, like, what is Toph's, if this were the real plan, and, and I don't think this will be the plan, um, like, what, what will Toph's role be? Um, and actually, I'm also curious to see, is there a version of this plan that will play out, or is this as we'll see, just a f- sort of failed attempt at a plan. Mm. It seems like Toph and Sokka, and I'm not a shipper, but it seems like those two are all, they're kind of the ones in the background, like creating the mechanisms for the other people to succeed, right? Be so it heroic, seems like she, yeah. right, like she might be doing things uh, in the background. 
yeah, I could see her like holding up defenses or something, you know, <laughs> while everybody else is is doing this. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which is a little bit of like marginalizing Toph, except that those things are so important. They're just they don't just don't get viewed as heroic in the same way. Mm. Um, so we then we from there we cut to the gang actually running through their training exercise. Toph is laughing maniacally as she stands in front of the Melon Lord and sort of plays the role of Melon Lord, surrounded by flames and small boulders. Uh, and everyone else is in battle positions and dressed for the fight, so they're they're in their battle garb. Sokka's got his wolf helmet on. Um, and Sokka signals to Suki, and the two of them begin their rush towards the Melon Lord, and Toph creates these, like, rock soldiers uh, that they battle. And a flaming boulder almost crushes Sokka, and he yells at Toph to be more careful, and Toph says, I'm not Toph, I am the Melon Lord. Uh, and she fires flaming boulders towards Katara and Zuko as they begin their approach. But they make twic- quick work of Toph's uh, stone soldiers. Uh, and Sokka signals to Aang, who flies at the Melon Lord, ready to strike him. And he's like, he's got his um, his glider staff, and it's like ready to ready to strike as he comes down. Uh, and just before he's gonna strike the uh, the Melon Lord, he checks his swing at the very last moment. And Zuko says, "What are you waiting for? Take him out." And Aang just says, "I can't." Now again, this is just a scarecrow. And Sokka walks up and approaches Aang and says, what's wrong with you? If this was the real deal, you'd be shot full of lightning right now. And Aang says, I'm sorry, but I just, it just didn't feel right. I didn't feel like myself. And Sokka takes out his sword and the camera cuts away as we see him like from behind slice the Melon Lord's head in half and says, there, that's how it's done. And this is like a really dark moment where it's like... I become acutely aware in this episode of how young Aang is too. And like, like Sokka seems like he's aged a little bit and he's even potentially like a little more war hardened. And is like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Uh, and, and there's something very dark about, about the fact that they cut away because it, it's, it's implying that this is grotesque and violent. Mm, yeah. And the, yeah, just the, the gross kind of training of, if you're going to do it, you need to see it done mm-hmm. and see how it's really done. Like mm, there's too many examples of things like that throughout history uh, of really disturbing uh, violent actions, right? Like, yeah. let me train you how to do this and like desensitize you to your, to your task. Yeah. And I mean, oddly, this is the show that has lots of battles and people have died. This is one of the darker, like more violent images. And it's not even, an attack on on a living being other than a watermelon. Yes, yes. And it's like implied that this, I mean, the watermelon symbolizes the most evil person. And yet Mm -hmm. still it's like just so dark. And you hear, you don't see the slice, but you hear it, Mm -hmm. which is another disturbing factor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's really well done. Mm. And, and, And it also like... You know, Aang at, looks kind of on in shock at this, and he's shocked about what he has to do, but he also is maybe... It's interesting that he says, I didn't feel like myself. And he's looking at Sokka, and I'm wondering if he's thinking, like, is this you, Sokka? Like, are you actually... Could you, Are you actually a killer like this? Because Sokka seems very confident in what he's going to do, what what he would do in that in that situation. 
and Aang is not. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I mean, it is different from the Fire Lord conference or whatever, war meeting conference, war (laughs) meeting presentations, PowerPoints, um, uh, where one person says, this is what we do. And the other says, "Uh, but what about the human side of it? Mm -hmm. And um, it feels like a similar thing, like to, to Sokka, the watermelon's a watermelon. This isn't something he has to follow through with. Same with the Fire Lord. He doesn't really have to see much of the damage happen. He doesn't have to see faces be tortured. Um, but the people on the ground do, the soldiers do, right? Yeah, and, and actually, I'm glad that you said that because it touches on something Aang's going to say in a little bit, which is like, it's one thing for all of them to talk about what he needs to do and what he should do, but none of them have to do it. Mm. And he has to actually do it. Um, so this is real to him in a way that it's not to the others, even though they're very serious about this, you know, and very traumatized by all of this. It's not real to them in the same way. Yep. Um, so from here, we cut to the, the back to the courtyard at night uh, and everyone is in the background eating while we see Aang sitting alone in the foreground and he seems unable to eat. And Katara walks up to the group holding a huge scroll and says, I have a surprise for everyone. And Toph says, I knew it. You did have a secret thing with Haru. So I love that Toph has just become like a fan service-y character at this point. Yes. Like she, she's fan service She's also a little meta, as we'll see uh, <laughs> late, later on here. But, uh, you know, as somebody who pre-mustache and beard liked the Katara Haru thing, like, yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> I was glad to hear Toph was interested in that. It's important to say pre-mustache. Yes, yes. Because post-mustache, I'm out. The mustache is what's what put him into the cave crew. Yeah, I think he's on Appa. He's flying away on Appa sans mustache. But I think the mustache, you go to the cave. Because it's dark in there and we don't have to see it. So, so Katara says, no, I was looking in, looking for cooking pots in the attic and I found this. And she unrolls the scroll to reveal an old picture of a baby boy playing with the sand. Uh, And Katara says, look at baby Zuko. Isn't he cute? And we see Zuko looking upset. And Katara says, lighten up. I'm just teasing. And Zuko says, that's not me. It's my father. And Suki says, but he looks so sweet and innocent. Zuko points out that that uh, sweet little kid grew up to be a monster. And the worst, worst father in the history of fathers. Nang says, but he's still a human being. Zuko says, are you going to defend him? Nang says, no, I agree with you. Fire Lord Ozai is a horrible person, and the world would probably be better off without him. But there's got to be another way. I loved this. This reminded me of, um, in Return to Amashu, um, Tom Tom, May's little brother. I forgot that that's May's little brother, because we don't yeah. see Tom Tom anymore. And they have this same conversation about Tom Tom about how he's just this innocent little boy. And one of the resistant soldiers says, you know, he's going to grow up to be uh, a fire soldier, you know, and mm. it's like, he's going to grow up to be the enemy. Um, and this is our, sort of the great, like uh, probably overused, like ethical question of like, if you had a time machine and could go back and kill baby Hitler, would you do it? You know, thinking like, mm. well, you could save all of this suffering. Um, and, and, you know, that's kind of what they're, it's kind of the question that they're looking at is like, who is Ozai? Is Ozai 
the person who's talking about burning the um you know burning the earth kingdom to the ground or is ozai this little baby and the truth is he's both and that's what ang is struggling with is like like and and, and it, it i imagine this hurts ang for katara to show this picture because yeah. it's like now i need now i even have this image in my head that i have to think about mm. so um so ang is sort of talking about you know there's got to be another way and then he suggests he says maybe we can make some big pots of glue and then i could use glue bending to stick his arms and legs together so he can't bend anymore amazing Zuko's, yes <laughs> That that's that that's his first draft. That's the, that's the first idea. Zuko says, "Yeah, then you can show him his baby pictures, and all those happy memories will make him good again." Again, and Hank says, "Do you think that would really work?" And Zuko just shuts him down and says, "No." I love that his like first draft is like, "Okay, what if we had like a giant sticky pad?" Like it's, yes. like, it's not. It's silly <laughs> and fun. It's, it's so good. I almost um, want that to be what happens. Maybe it will. <laughs> Maybe this ends with glue bending. I, I, I'll tell you this. I wouldn't be upset if they seeded this idea as a joke and that there is some element of that that is true. I would love. <laughs> um, so we see Aang start pacing and he says, this goes against everything I learned from the monks. I can't just go around wiping people out, uh, wiping out people I don't like. And Sokka says, sure you can. You're the avatar. If it's in the name of keeping balance, I'm pretty sure the universe will forgive you. Um, and and here's where we see Ang get. I mean, he's he's been serious this whole time, but he snaps back in a really serious frustration and anger, and says, "This isn't a joke, Sokka. None of you understands the position I'm in." Katara says, "Ang, we do understand. It's just," and Ang says, "What?" And Katara says, "We're just trying to help." And Ang says, "Then when you figure out a way for me to." To, to beat the fire lord without taking his life i'd love to hear it and we see him storm off and uh katara tries to follow him but zuko grabs zuko grabs her soldier and says let him go he needs to sort this out by himself which also seems like an iroh moment where like zuko understands maybe some of these ethical dilemmas to the to the degree that other people aren't thinking about or knows knows how to wrestle with them because he's wrestled with them himself. Mm. It also made me wonder too, uh, thinking about what Sokka said and that Aang snaps and says like, it's not a joke. Well, Sokka wasn't really joking. He said like, you're the avatar. This is for the sake of saving humanity. Right. Like it's not like the universe will forgive you. And, but he does say it in like a, he doesn't mean it as a joke, but he, his his tone is very different than either the way you or I just read that. Right. Um, and but it did make me think, like, especially with Aang saying this isn't how the monks do things. What have past air nomad avatars done before? Are they were they most like, did they? always preserve life was there ever a moment when you know what i mean i'm Mm -hmm. I'm, i it seems like for the air nomads this job description would be so conflicting that i'm curious to know anything else about previous air nomads well and it is interesting too because is this like even if past air nomad avatars were these like peaceful you know never hurt anything or anyone like 
is that also becoming coming from a position of privilege for the time that they live in? It's like, well, they didn't have to face anything like this. Because I don't know that every avatar had to face a situation like this. Right. Um, because because here's the thing about all the Air Nomad avatars. They were also all the other avatars. Mm. You know, that like like he carries this mm. he carries this long he is he is Kiyoshi. And Kiyoshi we know like is not afraid to use her power. You know? I mean so in a way like he has murdered. Yes. And he knows he has. Yeah. Oof. So this is the thing where he is both the totality of the Avatar, but he is also singularly Aang. Right. You know, which is which is an interesting I was gonna say dual identity, but it's just like an almost like an infinite identity that he has this you know, this this eternity of existence and he has his current existence, and that's part of what he needs to wrestle with because Sokka is saying you're the avatar. The avatar can do this. And he's not wrong, but Aang is saying, I am Aang, student of Gyatso. Aang can't do this. So he needs to, that's what he's wrestling with. Like, like, what is his identity? Is his identity his destiny and his job, if we can call being avatar a job? Or is it, is it this other thing, which is core to who he specifically is? Mm. Mm-hmm. So from here, we cut to uh, Aang in his room meditating, uh, and he's staring out at a view of the open sea, and there's nothing in front of him but the open sea. Uh, And he has candles and fruit. It looks like oranges and plums or something and tea in front of him. Uh, And we see Momo jump in onto his lap. And he says, hey, Momo, I don't suppose you know what I should do. And Momo just kind of looks up at him and, and Aang says, I didn't think so. So Momo lies down next to Aang and sleeps. And then we fade to Aang sleeping as well. Then there's this really cool shot where we cut to the outside looking kind of in at the room Aang was in. So sort of the reverse shot. Um, And it starts to like pull back. But there's like three jump cuts. And each jump cut is further back. And by the time we get to the third jump cut, we realize that wherever the point of view of that shot was that's pulling back is somewhere that's like a forest. Cause we see it framed by like trees and vines and things like that. Mm. So something that shouldn't have been there before. Cause it was just the open sea. And uh, so we cut back to Aang sleeping uh, and he wakes up and it's still night. And we hear the sound of like, chanting i think in the closed captioning it called it hypnotic chanting yes uh it's a buddhist chant oh Um, okay and they they play it other times too so they played it during winter solstice part two avatar roku uh when zuko and his soldiers are about to attack Aang, and then they also play it in the siege of the north too at the pond so is this like like, is this like a like a spirit world yeah song i think it's it's a it's a real Buddhist chant, mm-hmm. but uh, used to indicate that the spirit world is coming. But the interesting thing is, Aang does not step out of his body as we've no. seen in other spirit worlds. We he bodily gets up um, like a trance. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so he looks up, and where the open sea had been, now stands this island. 
and we see a drowsy-eyed Aang walk out to the beach and walk into the water and start to swim towards the island, and Momo follows him uh, as he swims to the island. Now, I think this is interesting that Momo gets to go on whatever journey Aang is on, Uh, and it makes me think about back to season one, we were tracking Momo a lot because Boomy says this. Boomy loves Momo, and Boomy keeps like indicating. Well, he indicates at least once how significant Momo is going to be. And there's a lot of like Momo is Roku like indications, which to up to this point have not really paid off. But <laughs> that, but that Momo has some kind of significance, and it's interesting to think that Momo meets. Do you remember where Ang first meets Momo? I just remember, uh, uh, no, honestly, the th- scene that I'm thinking of is from Ember Island Players. <laughs> so Okay, because it's not like Ember Island Players because he first meets <laughs> Momo in the Avatar Sanctuary at the Southern Air Temple where Aang encounters all of his past selves in these statues. And Momo, that's where Momo lives, I think, because Momo's yeah. in there. Um, so, so, like... It just feels like they're like this is like Chekhov's Momo. Like I feel like <laughs> somehow in these next, it doesn't come out in this episode, but in the next three episodes, we're gonna learn the significance of Momo. I just feel like like they're so it's so heavy handed in the first season, and then he's kind of disappeared. I feel like in the back half of season two and three. I mean, you get like the Appa's lost days, or you know Momo, like yeah. Momo longing for Appa, but. But Momo's sort of fallen out of the like uh, heavy laden, significant shots of Momo. But I'm wondering if him going on this journey is significant. Uh, also, I almost wish that we had episode titles that weren't just the titles of the Avatar episodes because Chekhov's Momo is amazing. That's right. I need that. I need that somewhere in my life. <laughs> that would be an awesome T-shirt. <laughs> just his face, and it says Chekhov's Momo. I would like oh. that. So we uh, we cut to morning, and we're looking down at the beach, and the mysterious island is gone. So Aang went out to this island, and now it's no longer there. And we see the Aang gang, minus Aang, are packing up Appa, and they realize that Aang's not there. They run to his room, and it's empty except for his staff glider. So they go down to the beach, and they see his footprints leading into the sea. And Katara says, maybe he was kidnapped. But Sokka says, I don't think so. There's no sign of a struggle. And Toph says, I bet he ran away again. And Sokka says, no, he left behind his glider and Appa. So if he was going to run away, he would take at least one of those. Mm-hmm. Toph says, then what do you think happened to him, oh sleuthy one? Uh, and Sokka says, it's pretty obvious. Aang mysteriously disappears before an important battle. He's definitely on a spirit world journey. I love that they're running through like Aang's his- history to kind of figure out, well, what could it be? Because all three of those things have happened to him. He's been kidnapped. Mm-hmm. He's run away. He's gone on spirit world journeys. And Zuko says, but if he was, wouldn't his body still be there? And Sokka says, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Katara says, he's got to be somewhere on Ember Island. Let's split up and look for him. And at this point, Toph rushes to Zuko, grabs his arm, and announces that she's going with him. And he says, she says, what? Everyone else went on a life-changing field trip with Zuko. Now it's my turn. So here again is, is uh, Toph being meta. She, she, at this point, reminds me of Abed from Community. Like It's almost like she knows she's in a show. 
Yes. It's like, well, these other things, everybody else had an episode. This is my chance to have an episode with Zuko. Yes, and Zuko's face is all blushed, and he's like, oh, oh, okay. And he's not into it, yeah. Yeah. So we see there all the the places they go to look. So we see Sokka flying around uh, the shore of the island on Appa. In the village, we see a crowd of people are circled around a figure that looks like Aang, and they're chanting his name. And uh, Suki and Katara rush up, only to realize that it's the Ember Island players' Aang being lifted up by the Ember Island players' Toph. And she yells, Avatar State, yip, yip. (laughs) And they both get these like overly cartoony, exasperated faces, which is a move Avatar makes occasionally, but not that often. It's like a, a weird like anime cut. Yes. Also, I loved the I love that uh, Ember Island players came back just for yes. a second. Yeah, just to acknowledge this this that actually happened. <laughs> so we see Toph and Zuko walking around part of the island where the beach houses are, and Toph appears to be talking Zuko's ear off, which is funny because Toph's not a talker so much, um, but she you can tell. We're kind of jumping into this in media's res, and she's just talking and talking and talking, telling her story. Um, so we hear her saying, and then when I was nine, I ran away again. I know I shouldn't complain. My parents gave me everything I've ever asked for, but they never gave me the one thing I really wanted, their love. You know what I mean? It's funny because she's like, I thought that was going to be a joke, the one thing I really wanted. And and it like I thought she was going to say something funny there, but instead... She's being really honest and sincere. Yes. And Zuko's like, oh, I, I, I really, I really can't do a third episode where we deal with people's childhood issues. Yes. He's like, uh, I am not a therapist. I am right. not licensed. Yep. So he says, look, I know you had a rough childhood, but we really should focus on finding Aang. Now, what's funny about this is what she's saying is exactly Zuko's story, right? The mm-hmm. one thing I always wanted was my father's love. So, so like he should, he should relate to this, but it's like, he's, he is, it's like his emotional, I get this when I have a lot of like counseling appointments, like my emotional energy has gone and somebody will tell me something. It's like, I just don't have, like I've, I've used all the empathy that I have in me today. So I feel like Zuko's kind of at that point where he's like, even though I should connect with you on this, it's, it's not going to happen. I know it's I almost want to go back to when they were all on the beach um, the episode of the beach and to mm-hmm. be like did he say this word for word it seems like he could have absolutely absolutely so, uh, and, and then uh, Toph says this is the worst field trip ever so again it's it's I, I kind of love meta Toph I hope they don't ruin it but I kind of mm. love it me too so they all meet up again at Zuko's beach house. Uh, Zaka, Sokka flies in on Appa and says, judging by the looks on your faces, I'm guessing you didn't find Aang either. And Zuko says, it's like he just disappeared. Then Toph points out, hey, wait a minute. Has anyone noticed that Momo's missing too? And here we get some Sokka comedy. Sokka says, oh no, I knew it was only a matter of time. Appa ate Momo. And we see Sokka pry open Appa's mouth and climb inside to try to find Momo. And Katara says, Sokka, Appa didn't eat Momo. He's probably with Aang. Sokka says, that's just what Appa wants you to think. And he continues to climb into Appa's mouth. Appa shuts his mouth with with um, with Sokka inside. Yes, and, then, and, and then this Zuko's- becomes... 
Oh, and then Zuko's like, like, get out of the bison. Like, just yes. get out of the bison. <laughs> and and this then sets up a great visual joke where the rest of this conversation, which is like pretty serious and important, in the background we see like an Appa slobber covered um Sokka like slide out of Appa's mouth and like it's it's very funny and it's it's definitely like a a deep focus background joke while this conversation's happening because nobody else addresses him uh and the state that he's in mm. uh so Zuko says we have a real problem here Aang is nowhere to be found and the comet is only two days away so we've had that one night right so now we're we're back mm. uh Katara says what should we do Zuko and Zuko says I don't know and then he realizes everyone is still staring at him and he says why are you looking at me and Katara says well you're kind of the expert on tracking Aang and this kicks off Zuko as leader of the Aang gang right that everybody's like well we went from people having various levels of how much should we trust him to the point where he's won people over to where they're just like we're following your lead. You know how to do this. Yes. Which feels and like he, like almost a completion of that arc. Yeah. And then in the next scene, like uh, they're on Appa and Z- Zuko hasn't told them where they're going. And they're just yes. like, okay, sounds good. Yeah. So we fade to them flying. And, and Zuko is, uh, I always feel weird using this verb, but he's driving. He's the one like at the reins. Um, mm-hmm. And Sokka says, Zuko, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but why are you heading towards the Earth Kingdom? There's no way Aang is there. And Zuko just says, just trust me. So again, he's not explaining. I don't know why he's not explaining. They have like a long flight. He could. There's a lot of non-communication happening in this group. Yeah. Maybe there's just been too much talking today for Zuko, and he's like, well, I'm just not going to talk anymore. That could be. So from here, we cut to the Fire Nation. We see Ozai being carried on his palanquin to his ship. So it's like at a port. Um, and Azula's palanquin is following behind, and she's clearly upset about how slow his her, her carriers are, are, are moving. She's the worst. <laughs> uh, and Ozai and Azula climb to the top of this huge platform with phalanxes of fire soldiers lined up. It's very Triumph of the Will. I mean, this is, again, the sort of fascist Nazi imagery. Um, and Azula says, is everything ready for our departure? And Ozai announces, there's been a change of plans. Azula, I've decided to lead the fleets of airships to Ba Sing Se alone. You will remain here in the Fire Nation. And we see Azula get visibly upset. She says, but I thought you were going, we we're going to do this together. And Ozai just says, my decision is final. Azula says, you can't treat me like this. You can't treat me like Zuko. Uh, this part was especially, I think her anger is not only in that decision, but slightly because she miscalculated and she doesn't miscalculate. Like, mm-hmm. People have pointed out before when she does, but it's rare. And uh, this is something that was told to her last second. It was a change. It was something she did not see coming. Well, because this is the only relationship where she can't, she's not the one in power. Yeah. I mean, every yes. other relationship she has, she either has power over the other person or has man- managed to manipulate herself into that situation where she's pulling the strings. And it's clear that she kind of thinks that she could manipulate her father and then she realizes, Oh, maybe not. 
Yes. You know that 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 she that she like you said she mis she miscalculated. But I think it's so interesting that she says you can't treat me like Zuko. That she's like Zuko's the one who gets cast aside, but like but I'm not him. I'm the special one, right? Ozai says Azula, silence yourself. Nazula says, but it was my idea to burn everything to the ground. I deserve to be by your side. And Ozai says, Azula, listen to me. I need you here to watch over the homeland. It's a very important job that I can only entrust to you. So, so far, this is sounding like he's giving her a crappy job, and yeah. but trying to make it sound good. But then he says, and for your loyalty, I've decided to declare you the new Fire Lord. Which I got excited with because I've been talking this whole time about how like we are going to see Fire Lord Azula, and the fact when he said that I was like, "Yep, I I, I called that one." I, knew we were, I thought it was going to happen in a little bit different way. Um, I thought I, I'm still open to her maybe being hurt by this enough where she overthrows her father and tries to claim real power because we're going to see that being named Fire Lord Azula is maybe not as great as it sounds. It's still pretty good. It's still a promotion, but it may not be a promotion in the way she thinks. Azula says, Fire Lord Azula? It does seem appropriate, but what about you? And Ozai says, Fire Lord Ozai is no more. And we see his royal guards put on a new cape on him with sort of big golden shoulder pads. Uh, and he says, just as the world will be, will be reborn in fire, I shall be reborn as the supreme ruler of the world. We see a new golden helmet put on his head. And he says, from this moment on, I will be known as the Phoenix King. And we see Phoenix King banners are raised up around him. And a new flag was raised that's flanked by wings of fire. And what's interesting about these new banners and flags is that they are put up to, and they almost are like covering up the Fire Nation insignias and the Fire Nation banners and the Fire Nation flags. So it's like, yes, you get to be Fire Lord. But a fire lord, fire lord is just my subject. I'm glad you mentioned that because according to Avatar Wiki, you know this is where I'm getting a lot of my information. This and Reddit, Reddit <laughs> posts from like 2016. Uh, the passage of power from Ozai to Azula over the Fire Nation is very similar to how emperors would manage their home nation when given the title as Holy Roman Emperor in the medieval era. At that time, the Holy Roman Empire was considered the largest collection of power in the European sphere. So similar, we had already talked about that a little bit before earlier in the episode. But yeah, this like, does does Azula have actual power? Is the power just in name only? Um, is it just to silence her? Which, uh, I literally said silence. Like, mm -hmm. be silenced, right? Like, it... Is it a gift or is it a gift for him? Right, right. And I, and I think this is why I'm still open to my Azula overthrows her father. I would love that. Um, but I don't want her to do that to join the good guys. I want her to do that to to be the big bad at the by the time we get to the end of this. I Like mm. I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Ozai doesn't make it to the end. Mm. Because he... He he's aiming pretty high at this point. Yes, yes. And and, I, and Azula Azula has to be reckoned with, you know, too. So that that's interesting to think how are how are they going to to break that up? Now my thought is that the ending we see with Ember Island players is going to be similar to the actual ending where 
because it seems like they're setting up for Zuko will face Azula and Aang will face Ozai. Now, what it means to face them is is hard to say. Um, and we see both. We see Zuko literally get uh, killed by Azula, you know, yelling honor as he falls. So that's why I wonder, is that like a, a foreshadowing of like a sacrifice that Zuko is going to make, that he is going to be defeated in that way? That I don't know. I love, uh, I have a Phoenix tattoo, Sam. It is mm-hmm. not related to the Phoenix King. I am not that much of an Ozai fan, but uh, I love that they used the Phoenix King the symbolism is obvious, right? And out of fire comes re- rebirth. But also the idea that, like, this is a mythical bird that symbolizes rebirth and, like, resurrection and renewal of cycles. And, like, um, also in some traditions, like, grace. And so this bird, like, it is so much more... Aang should be the Phoenix King. He is the one that has been resurrected. You know, like he is the one that lives in this cycle of renewal. And um, so I, I don't know. I love the competing like two Phoenixes at the end. Well, and it's also interesting because here it's symbolic of a literal new world order because he is a manage- he is imagining a world where the Phoenix King doesn't rule over the Fire Nation and the Earth Kingdom and and the water tribes and the air nomads, but that those other things don't exist. And there is just one people. So even the idea of the fire nation is uh, maybe a silly concept because everything is fire nation. So what we need is a new order, a new empire, which is the empire of the Phoenix King. Mm -hmm. So he is trying to establish a new world. Um, So what I'm wondering um, is, is because we have to be thinking about what is Aang's plan, you know, going forward, uh, here and like is it about establishing a new kind of order that doesn't have these strict divisions between um between these different peoples these different types um but then i also know that legends of Korra exists so it's like well okay clearly there is a wor- i don't know what the world of that show is but clearly there is a world that has avatars still in it so um i'm curious to see you know, is he is is he going to establish a new kind of order that is um, peaceable, but is it still divided? Mm. You know, I assume he's going to establish a peaceful order, but is it a divided order? Mm. And uh, as uh, Ozai taking this idea of Phoenix King to not just like a new order, yeah, like as a new order symbolically, but also running with the rebirth, renewal, resurrection, ultimate king kind of thing, coming back in glory. Like, it's also makes me think of his destiny, Ozai's destiny, the family he came from, Mm -hmm. uh, his father, his father's father, uh, and the tension between them um, and Roku. uh, And and so to be like, this is something I want to fulfill is I want to actually... Uh, surpass the power of the avatar. Like mm-hmm. I want to be, I want to be more powerful than that role. Um, and so, what what did he decide that would look like? Is the Phoenix King? Yeah, yeah. And what does it look like if there is no water tribe? There is no Fire Nation. Or excuse me, there is no water tribe. There is no uh, Earth Kingdom. Can there be an avatar born in those if there uh, those people don't exist? Right. Yes. Like would. I mean, if 
there was a world where it was just firebenders, would the avatar just keep recycling as a firebender or would the avatar cease to exist? Well, it seems like how would the avatar learn the other bending? True. Yes, true. Although I guess the spirit world, like, yeah, it, it, it raises, genocide raises interesting questions (laughs) in this world. Understandably. Uh, So from here, we cut to an exterior shot of an earth kingdom bar, which if we're paying attention to, I think we've seen before. Um, And we see the Aang gang minus Aang uh, walk into the door. And inside the bar, there's a lot of commotion and the sounds of people fighting. And as our heroes walk in, Katara asks why Zuko brought them there. And Zuko says just one word, June. And we see June, uh, the character from season one's Bato of the Water Tribe episode. And she's sitting at a table having a drink and simultaneously beating up would-be attackers. And Sokka's like, oh, yeah, that weird bounty hunter with the giant mole. And Katara says, mole? Her skin is flawless, which is like a who's on first kind of joke. Like it's 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 very it's 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 funny that Katara got that joke. Now, we don't I don't think she's making a joke, but it is funny that Katara gets to be the one to say the it's 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 just like it's like an old school like vaudeville kind of joke. And I I sort of love it. Me too. Um, And and Sokka says, no, she has this giant mole creature she rides around on. And Zuko says the sheer shoe. It's the only animal that can track Aang's scent anywhere in the world. It's the one shot we have of finding him. So we see June beating up, I think, the same Street Fighter Ryu-looking guy from season one that she was arm wrestling. Mm -hmm. And she does this cool move where she's holding her drink, and as she's fighting, it's like the, the liquid from the drink gets thrown up in the air, and it just sort of hangs in the air while she defeats this guy and then she puts her cup out and it lands back in there which is a better effect than any effect in the uh the last airbender movie (laughs) true it was very smooth yes it was pretty cool and toff says i don't know who this june lady is but i like her and i could actually see toff and june getting along oh yeah i really want them to be friends i like ship them although age difference but you know they're cool they should be friends at least so from there, we cut to Aang sleeping on the forest island, and he wakes up to tell Momo about the strange dream he had, only to realize that the magical island uh, that he's on is in the middle of the sea with no other land in sight. And from here, we cut away to the end of this part of the episode. So it's pretty interesting. We have um, we have three plot lines kind of going. So we have Aang and Momo in the on this island you know uh we have the ang gang minus ang on an adventure to try to find ang and so ang is on one journey they're on another journey i mean it feels a little bit like uh stories like empire strikes back where we have this 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 group of people but they get divided on these separate missions that are going to be intertwined and then we also have the the villains right and we see their plan like the the clockwork of their plan clicking into place. And we have the ticking clock. I mean, at this point, they get to June's bar at night, Mm. right? Yeah. Which is confusing because maybe it's not at night. Maybe it's just deep in the forest. Maybe they're day drinking in that bar because (laughs) Aang wakes up in the morning. Uh, We might have some... We might yeah. have some time difference too, some yeah. jumping around. Yeah. So at any rate, regardless, we're very close to the uh, 
we're very close to Sozin's Comet. Yes. And it, it, like you said, there's all these moving parts, and I can't wait until when all of them are happening. Like when the action comes in each of these different areas, like mm-hmm. these three threads. It's going to be And great. when they intersect, it's going to be great. Uh, yes. So, do you have uh, observations, lessons from this episode as we pivot, you know, pivot to, to part two? Uh, well, it seems like the spirit world is coming, mm-hmm. or at least elements of it. We know that he hasn't. He, his, he's still in his body. He's still in the physical world. But uh, it seems mysterious. We have the Buddhist chant um, that should tip us off to spirit world stuff. So I'm curious when that's going to happen. Um, also excited to track Momo's significance again. I'm really excited. Like, Yeah, I'm on board. I, yes. I, I love that he's there for the spirit world journey because I don't think that he was. He's always been around. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the physical world, like it seems like he's almost uh, a bridge too. Like he's he's kind of always been adjacent to the spirit world adventures, um, or cuddling next to Aang when he's in the spirit world, or like somehow connected to it. So um, I'm excited to see what what he does. But yeah, otherwise I don't. I mean, I know some elements of what happens to yeah. <laughs> moving forward, um, so, but I don't so know the- a lot of detail. The thing that I think about with this is how interesting this episode was with the expectations I brought into it. Um, mm. I realized ultimately this episode is about laying out mission, mission statements and creating momentum towards the end. So we have this the big issue of all of this mechanism we think is going to lead to some version of Aang facing Ozai. But Aang facing Ozai, we don't even know what facing means. Um, but all the mechanisms are in place. The missions are in place. Things are moving. Um, and uh, it's interesting how few loose ends are addressed here. Almost none. So we we don't have Iroh. We don't have White Lotus. We don't have Ursa. We don't have Boomy. We don't have the cave crew. None of those are addressed yet. Which These are all things that are going to be addressed, I'm certain of. But it's so fascinating that it's like we got a quarter of the way through the finale and they said, yeah, those are coming because the previously on sure hints at all of it. Those are coming. But wait, like like we're taking we're going to take our time. And it, it's it it's sort of like when they're flying on um, on Appa to the Earth Kingdom and Zuko just says, trust me. It's like that's what the writers are saying. It's like, yeah, trust us. Like this is good. It's all going to happen. We're going to take our time here because we, we're going to lay some track to put to a create meaning for some of these things and we're going to leave you on quite a cliffhanger yes and it's a two-hour event like this is a movie length so they have the space to make things to be slow right and 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 as this was meant to be viewed you wouldn't stop or we're stopping i mean that's another (laughs) thing i need to kind of remind myself of i love the idea of ang having this identity conflict between sort of being ang and being the avatar um, and, the, mm. and the whole history of the Avatar. And I, I hope we dig into that more. It seems like we'll have to. Yes. I also uh, appreciate, like you said, the timeline they gave us. Uh, timeline, the stakes have risen. They were already high, but now we know in two days, right? Two days? Mm-hmm. Day two days, day and a half, yeah. In a day and a half or two days, there might be another genocide to the degree of the Air Nomad genocide. Yeah. Um. So that's <laughs> that's intense. 
I, I'm so excited for Fire Lord Azula. I want to see her wielding that power, especially with with Ozai gone. Like, what does she do in the Fire Nation with that power? Um, what is her arc going to be? I'm really interested in. Yes. Also, what happened to May and Ty Lee? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I guess that that's another big, big loose end that because they were they were in the previously on, they they were pretty heavily featured in the previously on. We need them back. I'm so curious. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if she's going to use her power as Fire Lord because presumably they are in prison somewhere in the Fire Nation. To, um, I mean, I'm just thinking about Azula, like to to sort of uh, level even more revenge against them, and that that if that will somehow turn on her in some way. Um, we've already talked about about uh, a character sacrificing themselves. So so Zuko or Iroh are my two bets. And then a dark horse, which would be less meaningful, but in some ways very meaningful, is the, the third option could be Hakoda. Now, we don't have as much history with Hakoda, but he's a meaningful character to Zuko and Katara. So like I could see that happening as well. Um, but that would be that would pack less of a punch, I think. Right. I don't know why I'm rooting for... Uh, for for one of one of the sort of hero characters to die, but and I'm not rooting for it, but I but like story wise, it feels like that, like we'll get a moment like that, yeah. Um, and then the introduction of June points to this idea that we are now back in the Earth Kingdom, and we're going to start bringing characters back. Um, so I am really excited to see what characters are what characters are going to get reintroduced. I think. The Earth King and Bosco getting reintroduced in Sand Sculpture. Like, I think we're going to see them at some point. <laughs> I'm curious what he's been up to. Uh, I'm open to anything at this point. I'm open. In, I'm open to uh, Wan Chi Tong in the library. That spirit. Come, I'm open to anything. I'm so excited because I feel like they laid so much track in season one and season two that and, and season three uh, let's not forget early season three ang you know left hope behind him even in the earth kingdom like like where are we gonna see allies pop up from speaking of i'd even be thrilled to see like baby hope just i think appear. i think we have to i think that is right? that's I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of the closing shot or closing montage of this movie mm. is we get back to hope because she's in bossing say and i feel like everyone's headed to places like bossing say eventually yeah. so yeah will we see yeah. the guru again is was a question uh, yeah because ang needs to unlock the chakra so mm. uh and and like june is not a character that i remembered coming back and Watching the series again, I didn't think that she would. I, we had talked about it, but I was like, eh, I don't know. Like, she was only in one episode, and she was really cool. But like, her story seems like ended a powerful character, though. Like that has like a specific thing she can do. So yeah, yeah. Uh, memorable character too. And so, it, like, it makes sense that she would leave a lasting memory for Zuko. And yeah, so like because they chose June, I'm kind of like anyone could come. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we also have a bunch of prisoner. I mean, there's like all these things that are like, well, 
that all the, that that like have to come back at some point. My biggest question though is cave crew. Like like yeah. what is going on? They have left these people in a cave for a long time. Now, they maybe got out and took that airship, but we sure haven't cut away to them at all. I Nor were they in the previously on. I want a breakfast club. I know they've already done a breakfast club episode. I want one of the cave crew. <laughs> right? It's kind of like they're in a study hall or in a in a in detention. Yeah. And just kind of stuck. Maybe <laughs> and they'll it's like, like all these different personalities. Maybe it'll be more like Goonies, and they'll find treasure in the like in the mountain or something. And and like when the whole thing's resolved, they'll like show up after the fact with like a bunch of pirate treasure and be like, "Oh, oh amazing! We're rich too. <laughs> all our money problems are gone." That's right. Yep. <laughs> well, Annie, uh, this this is the closest thing we've ever done to a live episode. This is the latest we've recorded before an episode drops um this is for me i'm we're recording this on friday evening this is going to drop on saturday morning so uh so far so good we have a time in the books to to record uh part two so that should drop next week uh we're doing our best to get these out in time again there may be a gap of a weekend we're busy people with weird schedules on different sides of the earth but uh we're going to do our best to uh to keep this going that's all the time we have. I hope you've enjoyed this journey and will continue for these last three episodes with us. That is all the time we have. We will be back next week with Book Three Fire, Chapter 19. Sozen's Comet, Part Two, The Old Masters. <laughs> <laughs>